Avocados, that most Mexican of fruit, are a multi-billion dollar industry. Guacamole is popular all year long, but it increases at Super Bowl time. It's an easy dip, and it's healthier for you than, say, ranch. Um, it's, it's growing in popularity across the country. They're made into guacamole. They show up on hipster toast. They get turned into smoothies and ice cream or just enjoyed by themselves, sprinkled with some salt. Ooh, que la. But in recent years, avocados have also become a main ingredient in something no one would have ever imagined for the humble fruit. The U.S. government has suspended all imports of Mexican avocados after a U.S. plant safety inspector in Mexico received a threat. They're now a big part of nautical violence. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the L.A. Times. It's Thursday, February 24th, 2022. After a week-long suspension, the ban on Mexican avocados has been lifted. The U.S. ambassador to Mexico, Ken Salazar, says the decision came after Mexico and the U.S. agreed to enact measures that ensure the safety of agricultural inspectors. But if the Mexican government can't get organized crime out of its avocado industry, the U.S. government will most likely ban imports again. So today... We talk about our dependence on Mexican avocados, which account for 80% of the avocados eaten in the United States. Then we dig deep into the fruit's history. Lila Miller is an LA Times foreign correspondent based in Mexico City, and she recently wrote about this avocado imbroglio. Lila, welcome to the Times. Thank you. This entire story seems like some parody of Narcos Mexico. I mean, it even involves a Super Bowl. We all saw that cutesy avocados from Mexico ad. And the night before Super Bowl Sunday, the governor of the state of Michoacán, Alfredo Ramirez Bedoya, he was all tweeting about one of his state's most precious crops, avocados. He was. He said that it doesn't matter which team wins, that the avocados will be the the winner the winner of the night. So there's clearly a lot of pride in Michoacán about its avocado industry. And then the day of Super Bowl Sunday comes this big, huge story that made worldwide news. People are still talking about it because people just cannot comprehend it. This suspension by the American government of avocados from Mexico. So what exactly are we talking about? We know very, very little about what provoked this suspension. All we really know is that a U.S. plant inspector received a phone call with a safety threat, and that's what led to to the suspension. So, yeah, we know very little. So we mentioned Michoacán, but I should add some context about it. It's a big, beautiful state with, like, perfect soil and environment to grow avocados. And it's also the only state allowed to sell its avocados to the United States from Mexico. But it's also been a battleground for drug cartels for the past decade. The violence and and the drug cartels incursion into the avocado industry that came about partly because of Mexico's militarization of the war on drugs. So you had big cartels that split up into smaller groups. And then, you know, these criminal networks would look for criminal opportunity elsewhere in places that have a you know, lower bar to entry than the drug market. And so one of these places they found was the avocado industry. So, Leela, how does the cartel's incursion into the avocado industry, Michoacán, look like? 
You have cartels or criminal networks that are extorting avocado workers. You also have criminal groups that are illegally seizing land. A colleague of mine who's in Mexico, she traveled to Michoacan in 2019, and she wrote about how one criminal group took over a forest and then they forced people who owned avocado trees to pay a kind of protection tax to still be there. So in response to to all of this, you have avocado workers that have formed groups to defend themselves against the criminal networks. The Mexican government has known about all this, but it really hasn't done much to stop this chaos. But it sure wasn't happy when the U.S. announced its avocado suspension. The president of Mexico, Manuel Andrés López Obrador, has you know, suggested that there are political motives behind the suspension. He said this in one of his morning press conferences, but, you know, hasn't really elaborated much on what that means exactly. We know that the major avocado trade group has been coordinating with the U.S. to try to resolve the security issues. And we know that the governor of Michoacan said that he thinks that the suspension will be lifted in a few days. And he said that Officials are talking about how to advance their investigation into the threat that was made. And they're also looking into how to anticipate similar threats in the future. So the ban was just a week long, but if organized crime keeps doing its thing, it's going to happen again. So how do these bans impact avocado farmers, both in the U.S. and in Mexico? If it lasts a long time, then this could put people out of work in Mexico. You have tens of thousands of avocado workers in Michoacan. On the U.S. side, people are worried. Farmers, producers in the U.S. are worried about being able to keep up with the demands for avocados if the suspension were to last a long time. Lila, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks. Coming up, the role American eaters have into making Mexico's avocado industry so dangerous. And we're back. Guacamole is like a pretty recent thing in the United States. That's LA Times acting deputy food editor, my compa, Daniel Hernandez. And here he is enjoying some guacamole. In the last 20 years or so, people have just been really into it and trying all different weird things with their guacamole, which is really kind of like the only way that you can consume an avocado besides, you know, dressing it or... Yeah, or spreading it on toast, like everyone does. on toast, which everyone does, which is a very (laughs) new thing. You're hearing a video about guacamole that Daniel helped make for the LA Times right before the Super Bowl. He also wrote a great story about how avocados became so beloved in the United States, and he joins me now. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Gustavo. So what are the stats for avocados today in the United States? Well, the numbers are pretty staggering how much of this fruit is now imported largely from Mexico, but we'll get to that in a minute. In 2021, uh, U.S. consumers had about 2.8 billion pounds of Haas avocados, according to the Haas Avocado Board. And during the Super Bowl festivities that we just had, there was about 124 million pounds of this fruit consumed because everyone in the past 20, 30 years has simply fallen in love with the avocado and with its usual iteration and how it's eaten, which is as guacamole. 
Damn, that's a lot of avocados. And just in case people don't realize the Haas avocado, that one's a little bit but more buttery, a little bit smoother because there's a lot of different avocados, but the Haas is the king. Definitely. The Haas is the king and it's a very interesting story. The original Haas avocado tree was uh, created sort of by accident right here in La Habra Heights. And it sort of just kind of, I think, hit the sweet spot for California taste buds maybe back even then in the 1930s when it was first planted. The New Yorker, way over on the East Coast, sort of crowned this new thing as the future of eating. And there was probably always, you know, some restaurants or some level of interest in Mexican food in California and the Southwest, as you will know. But the whole thing really kind of took off, incidentally, along with major kind of pop cultural events like the Super Bowl and more awareness and understanding of Mexican products, Mexican eating, Mexican natural foods with the influx of immigrants that came upwardly, really starting in the late 1970s. What was awesome about your story is that you give us that history of avocados. We're talking about over 10,000 years of history. So before we get into the United States, how did the first 9,900 years of that history look like, the Mexican history? Well, Mexico itself, let's also remind ourselves, is, is a relatively new invention if we're talking about in the millennial march of you know, time and geology and everything else. This region of the world is super biodiverse, of course. And there's been, you know, civilized peoples uh, creating building societies on both coasts and in the highlands in the middle of the country for thousands and thousands of years. So out there in Puebla, in a small community and kind of a mid-range um, altitude, they discovered proof of domestication of this tree going back 10,000 years. That's proof that people on this part of the world have always been consuming this really interesting, unique fruit because of that butteriness, because of that almost savory quality that it has. It really is intoxicating and, and I love it personally. And I grew up eating it myself too, since day one, pretty much. I'm one of the few Mexicans who doesn't really care for avocados, but let's just ignore. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> let's just ignore. For me, it's a texture thing, but let's just ignore that for now. So obviously, this is just such an important fruit. But once the Spaniards came in, they actually were not fans of the fruit. That was also really interesting, and you picked up on you touched upon that um, in your book Taco USA. There's actually Gustavo not a lot of research done on this compared to other things that we know a lot about in Mexico, like, you know, obviously corn, number one, for example, or even tomatoes and chocolate. The Spaniards really didn't care much for it. They understood that native people ate it, but it wasn't something that became an immediate colonial export uh, back to the quote old world. It must have been there obviously being consumed for hundreds of years throughout the colonial period. And I'm sure I would love to imagine that it was probably maybe even served in restaurants in some form in the old cities of uh, colonial Mexico. But uh, you're right. It wasn't until about the late 1800s, early 1900s, when people first started bringing avocado trees up to California. And I think, as you know, the rest is history right there. What was it about avocados that took off so much in California? Because we think today of California as a very Latino state, but the 1880s, 1890s, it really wasn't that Latino. 
When you think about how welcoming California became to so many different kind of fruits, everything kind of just really grows well here. We're very lucky to live on this particular part of the world that is so amenable to so many different kinds of trees and eventually, of course, crops. And when agriculture became the massive industry that it is now, California really does feed the country. The avocado, I think, plays a key role in that from the beginning, it must have made perfect sense in the same way an almond tree makes sense in California or an orange tree and so on. We'll have more after this break. And we're back with my LA Times colleague, Daniel Hernandez. Daniel, who are the early champions of the avocado in the U.S.? Like, who was actively trying to get Americans to love the fruit? Well, there was obviously a uh, business interest in trying to expand and get more people to eat it. It's really interesting to ponder one aspect of California identity being always having been around these trees, at least if you've lived in the state for the past 120, 130 years, right? But that wasn't the case for most of the 20th century for Americans in other parts of the country. And so there are many different companies. They all got together as different boards and commissions nationally and in the state of California. But one of them, uh, Calavo Growers, invented avocado dip, they say, in 1964. Started putting it in grocery stores in 65. This was basically one pound of, you know, smashed down avocado pulp. They put it in parentheses, guacamole. And that was frozen and you could buy in your frozen food aisle in the same way that you would buy, you know, frozen juice concentrate or frozen cinnamon rolls or biscuits. And people would be instructed to take it home, let it thaw for about an hour or so before mixing it in with other ingredients to make guacamole. And that, as you write, is after the invention of the tableside guacamole, which happened at El Torito in Encino in Los Angeles. Yeah, you see these incremental steps, frozen tubes of avocado paste. That one cracks me up. Then Mexican restaurants start selling more and more guacamole, but still the market's limited because California growers can only grow so many aguacates. But then comes 1994 and something called the North American Free Trade Agreement. NAFTA changed everything. It happened at a key moment in the history of the United States. And NAFTA happened, then the internet really happened right after. That was when sort of the lid came off, essentially off of all of our borders, at least in North America, between Canada and Mexico and the United States, for virtually everything except for people, when you think about it. And that meant that corn grown by United States American farmers would now be allowed to be imported into Mexico, and now U.S. corn dominates the Mexican market. It's such a mind script when you think about it, because corn is from Mexico. And now Mexican-grown Haas avocados, a California-created variety, is now the large majority of the production of, of Mexican aguacate, and most of that is exported here to the United States. And the local, the domestic Mexican market gets like inferior avocados, guys. Like we get better avocados in the United States than Mexicanos do in Mexico, largely in part to the trade agreements that just allowed all this commerce to sort of go fully into free market mode. Talk about a free market. Americans get better Mexican-grown but American-born aguacates in the United States than Mexicans get any sort of aguacates grown in Mexico, the birthplace of the aguacate. Yeah, it's completely crazy. But keep in mind, people have like their own 
avocado trees, avocado trees also in their backyards in many instances in Mexico. They have an avocado there. When I lived there, I became familiar with that they call it Groyo, which is a very soft and very small aguacate that you can literally bite into the skin. You can eat the skin is considered edible and people kind of just uh, softly chew on these wonderful little avocados. There's a, a Caribbean genus of the fruit. And there's also a South American one. And then, of course, varietals that emerge from those. And so it's still a very diverse thing. But, you know, the way things work now, people fall in love with a very specific flavor and then just it ends up dominating the country. Yeah. Americans are obsessed with avocado, the toast and all of that. Why, Daniel, you cover food. Why do you think Americans just fell so hard for avocados of all the fruits that come from Latin America? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, it makes me think we haven't really fallen as hard for papaya, for example. <laughs> Mames, man. Mames, a delicious, richly textured, interesting uh, pulpy fruit as well. That's right. Um, that's a good question. I do think that probably kind of the health craze that emerged in the 80s and the emergence of this, again, popular image of what would be considered California cuisine, both at like the high level, thinking of things of like Wolfgang Puck or California Pizza Kitchen, things like that, to uh, sushi rolls at California style sushi restaurants, all the way to this idea that like avocados are like they're high in fat, but they're good fats, quote, monounsaturated fats. And so these are considered probably a benefit to weight loss plans. And right now there's like decades worth of research now that's building up on whether the fats in avocados can actually help people lose weight. So I talked to a researcher at UCLA who explained that a bit to me. And it's interesting to hear that people associate this kind of high fatty food with health benefits, but there is some work out there that shows that to be true. We can celebrate avocados all we want, but there's obviously the dark side to it. And earlier I talked to our colleague, Leela Miller, about how cartels have influenced avocado industry in Mexico. And I've written in the past also the exact same issue happens with limes. But how much do you think American consumers know or care about where their avocados come from? It is a very sad reality. It is something that I assume that most Americans don't put too much thought into. It's really very much out of the hands of the consumer at this point. And that's, you know, obviously a huge problem. A researcher in Mexico City told me that there's also this movement called uh, hashtag no avocado that's kind of also been emerging, which draws attention to the fact that, you know, deforestation, corruption, cartel corruption, and just unsustainable agriculture is affiliated now with the industry in Mexico. It's interesting. I do hope that people just generally pay more attention to how these supply chains really affect other people down the way. And maybe that may be a, a method for people to sort of expect better, maybe also from the way the United States does imports and the way in the same manner that we export things to other countries. Finally, Daniel, do you think we're at peak avocado yet? I got some pushback on that assertion and I'll take it. There is a possibility <laughs> that even 4.8 billion pounds of avocados could be eaten in the next uh, four or five years. I do think, though, that we've reached um, ultimate awareness. The avocado ads are now central to Super Bowl and have been for a few years. And so definitely peak awareness of the avocado, I will say. Daniel, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, superstar Maggie Gyllenhaal no longer wants to just act. She's just about to make her directorial debut. Kinsey Moreland was a hef on this episode, and our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Tasha Brasalian, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz, our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shani Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Eben. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this month. Gracias. Hey, Daniel, we forgot to tell people what aguacate actually means in, in Nahuatl, the language of the Aztecs. Okay, so the Spanish word in modern Spanish is aguacate. The root of that is aguacatel, and that is also the word, or it's associated with the word for testicle. And that is due, apparently, to the texture and the shape of the avocado fruit. Well, the more you know. The more you know. <laughs> 